In the beginning there was no light, only the silence of darkness. That's how the word began in Māori creation. In the Bible it says, in the beginning the word was God. And so the word is revered in our culture as a taonga, the spoken word. The book Words of a Komatua weaves together poetry and prose of Dr. Hare Williams, edited by author Wati'ihi Maira. The book is a celebration of Hare and his wisdom, learned from his childhood experiences that has shaped his life as a teacher, broadcaster, writer and artist. Yeah, well, this painting here, it's a large mural that I've painted and it's the, uh, the beginning of our universe, the Orokohanga mai o te ao. And uh, so the very back, the intense black is the uh, intense blackness of te kore. Mm. And it starts gradations of whakapapa back until there's light. So I paint and write yeah, the living spirit of the spoken word. Ko te wairua o te kupu, the living spirit of the spoken word. During his years as a broadcaster, Dr Hare Williams conducted many interviews that captured the Māori experience. And welcome again to another edition of Hereringa Kōrero. I'm Hare Williams. A double-hulled Cody Waka rides gently on the Odere River near Kaitaia, poised to make an historic voyage to Rarotonga, tracing the passage taken by Māori ancestors some four centuries ago. Coming up, Tiahika is at the home of Dr Hare Williams in Auckland, where he talks about the book and reflects upon his childhood spent on the Ohiba Harbour, his career as a teacher and broadcaster, and in recent years, his role as a cultural advisor. Iaku nui, iaku rahi, whakarongo mai ki te kaupapa e haere ake nei. Ko te hōtaka o Tiahika, tēnei ko Justine Murray, ahau. Taki taki a te waka ki te awe awe ko papa tua nuku ko tangaroa. A published poet, painter, calligraphy artist and a scriptwriter for film and television, Hare Williams has worked as a cultural advisor for the mayors of Auckland, the New Zealand Architects Association, the New Zealand Police and is Amorangi at the Auckland War Memorial Museum. His contribution to public service, education and the arts is something that he takes in his stride. I was adopted, I was a gift of my grandparents, Waiweka Brown and Mahaki Brown of uh, Tekaraka, to my grand, two white grandparents who lived in Ohiwa. So the Taonga of a child was a very important connection yes. between tribal groups in those days. And we've lost that. Anyway, I grew up in the uh, nurtured environment, the uh, very, very devout Christian Judaic socialist type environment at, at, at Karaka in Ohiwa. Today I live in Papakura and Karaka is just over the way. So call it mm. serendipity <laughs> if you like, but here's the connection with me with the land, with my birthplace and the place that I, I have lived 
here for 40 years as, if you like, working in a professional field of education and broadcasting, the Waitangi Tribunal, and the areas that I've been privileged to work with our people to find equality in New Zealand society. And while Hardy's poetry is about the Māori experience, it's also about the relationships between Māori and Pākehā, the Treaty of Waitangi and the disenfranchised. He grew up in the 50s and 60s. Here he talks about a simple life, growing up steeped in Māori language and Māori philosophies, alongside his tūhoi grandparents. I didn't speak English, nor did my grandparents. <laughs> My, my grandmother knew three English words really fluently. Which was? Michael Joseph Savage. Now, the reason for that was uh, the reforms by the Labour Party in the 1930s was really a watershed for Māori, who were treated very, very badly. I mean, they were treated badly afterwards as well. But here was a man with Peter Fraser that turned education for everyone. So I was able to go to school at uh, Oporiki College, which was a 40-mile trip from Kutarere, or Ohiwa. I had to walk across the mudflats, go through the gorse and the blackberry, over several fences, then a swamp, across yeah. the mudflat, and then another swamp, and over another hill, wash my my feet at the uh, culvert, and on the cover of uh, the book yes. is a photograph of me walking at the very stream that uh, that we, as kids walked and washed our feet because none of us were allowed to arrive at school without a hanky or with mud on our feet. And so that was my initiation in the language. But I I became imbued in a love of language, the sound, the resonance of uh, te reo on the marae. Uh, Then I was introduced to the Songs of David and Solomon. I grew up Ringatu, Ringatu, the church founded by Tukoti. Perhaps Tukoti is the most reviled and the most revered person Mm. in New Zealand's history. Hardy Williams' childhood was steeped in the Ringatū faith, founded by Te Kōti Ariki Rangi Te Turiki. In recent years, he has talked about the life of Te Kōti during Te Pūtake o Te Riri, the New Zealand Land Wars commemorative events. He was a great man and he was a man of peace, but the state forced him to revolt and declare war. On the British. So I grew up knowing those stories from my grandmother before I went to school. Wow. The Bible gave me the, the quality and the resonance of language, a love of language. The, the whaikōrero on the marae, the karanga, the waiata. I was a part of that. I, 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 I felt and Im, <clears throat> was imprinted with the, uh, the wairua of all of, of language especially. Then I went to high school, and later on in high school, by the way, I had to go back twice to get school certificate to become a school teacher. My, di- my dying ambition was to become a t- school teacher. Mm. Ko te manu e kaiana te miro, nōna te ngahere, 
ko te manu e kaiana te mātauranga nōna te ao. The bird who partakes in the middleberry owns the forest. The bird who consumes education owns the world. And Hardy would leave Ohiwa Harbour, as he recalls. The morning I left home, my grandmother, Waidemana, got up really early. We had a kauta. We lived in a raupo house, thatched, dug into the clay. The engineering quality of the house. Not, no house now can match it. This house you're sitting in now cannot match the warmth and the richness and also the echo system that was part of the building of that house. Raupo and wee-wee reeds on the top, mm. dug into the side of the clay hill and plastered on the outside to keep it warm in the wintertime and cool in. cool in the summertime. But the day came when I was going to leave home. My grandmother got up and lit a fire. She preferred to cook outside or around the stones. And she, I, used, I was usually the one to go and get the water to put in the billy to boil up. But she went herself and got the water. And she knew I was leaving home. And when I stood up, I saw her crying. And she was crying in the most deeply profound way of crying. And that's crying without a sound. To me, the expression of deep pain, the loss of your land, the loss of a loved one, the loss of someone leaving is expressed through crying without a sound. So he left Ohiwa. He had to walk down the valley about a mile away, through the gorse and manuka and over the barbed wire. But Hardy remembers that last moment. And I stood there for a while. I knew she'd been looking at me around the fire, but I was too scared to look at her. That was the last time I saw her. So I got to the bus. The bus left Kutarere from, from Oporiki at 6 o'clock in the morning. Mm. There were about 12 people there. And uh, <clears throat> one of the kaumatua, one of the hape, family did a karakia for me and Fred Drury of Pākehā came up to me and shook my hand and said, boy, you're going somewhere that no one from here has been to. Mm-hmm. He said, when you get in that bus, don't you bloody look back. And when I opened my hand, there was a half crown in my hand. So I went in this bus and I, the only thing I could think of was a spring underneath the ngaio tree at home, our gardens and my queer around her open pit fire. And uh, I thought about turning around, getting off the bus and going home when I got to Taneatua. When I got to Hamilton and I got to Papakura, there was an army truck waiting to take us out to Ardmore. So I arrived at Ardmore and I was escorted to my own room. I had my own room. I had white sheets, which I'd never had before. had a mattress, which I didn't have before. <laughs> I had a desk and I had all the accoutrements of uh, comfort. But I shut the door and I took out a penny, which is a ding or two thing. 
and I put it down on the table and I shut the door and I did a karakia. He honore, he kororia ki te atua. Here I was on my journey. When I opened my eyes, there was a sparkle on, on the penny. The light was reflected from the window. And I looked upon the... Before I opened the door, I said to the penny, I've, I've arrived at the first part of my destination. And that's how I ended up at Ardmore. After he graduated from Ardmore, Hardy would move to Tauranga. There he would marry Margaret Howa and teach at Mangatapu Primary School. And while he was back closer to home, he went back to Kutarere, to his people. Remember the guy that handed him half crown over a handshake? Well, Hardy didn't forget him. And I went to Fred Drury and I said, there are two things I want to come and tell you. I am a qualified teacher now and you encourage me not to look back. The other thing is I want to make a confession. I was one of the kids that pinched your oranges and apples. He said, I knew that, I know that. <laughs> but I, he said, I also knew that you had a, an extra quality. And then I said, I shook his hand and I had the half crown in my hand. Oh, that's lovely. And when he opened his hand, he, uh, he, had, he saw the half crown and he cried. Oh. And, he, he, and then he gave it back to me. He said... <clears throat> You've earned it. And I've still got that half crown. Inside Hardy Williams' home, his artwork is displayed on the walls, many of which are featured in exhibitions. His bookshelf is filled to the brim, from poetry to Māori history. The last book I've read uh, with thoroughness is uh, Vincent O'Malley's uh, The Great War of Waikato. That's a big read. A 700 big pages plus, I think. It took me quite a while. He tangata. He tangata. Ke mana e nuhute ao. Wow. A saying from Taranaki that behind the uh, tattooed face, the moko on the face, there's another leader emerging. Mm-hmm. A leader whose face is neither white nor brown, but both. This is a prediction in Taranaki, the 1880s. And Takoti had a waiata. Mm. predicted that uh, there are three things that's going to restore Māori, mana motuhake, mana in New Zealand. Mana I remember, yeah. yeah. So the first element to restore it is the Treaty of Waitangi. That's what we're doing now. He, he's, he composed that song when nobody even thought about the Treaty of Waitangi. So the second one was the courts of the land. We've been to the courts of the land. Parliament is the Mm -hmm. highest court. We've been to the United Nations and the Privy Council in Great Britain. And I interpret man motuhake as being the marae, the carvings, the waiata, the arts of, uh, of, of our people and the retention of our land. And it seems as though art and creativity is a whānau affair. And it's, it's quite contemporary, your art. It's quite, it could be a CD cover. <laughs> <laughs> 
I mean, it's very not that I had a mind of what your art would be, but it's oh, very. That's my daughter's one. That one oh. when she was two. Oh, that's so sweet. And I'd give her a paper, and she'd fill the whole thing with dots. And, yeah. And she was starting to write her name. I don't know her name. Yeah, I like that one. Beautiful. Tamata. Hi. And so you were in Tauranga for 10 years teaching um, and you moved around and stationed yeah, I've, other I've classrooms. Yeah, I moved around a lot. I, I moved from there to a school in Taupo. It was a sole teacher school. Oh. And, and uh, it, was a, it was just a house in the mill, right in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> to, to get out, you had to get in a truck to get out because flooding of the roads, there was no oh. metal on the road. It was just open and it was cut out by, <clears throat> by water. And then I moved from there to Matodi Bay. Oh, wow. And Matodi Bay. I went there as a exuberant sort of buyers and know-it-all sort of a good-for-nothing. <laughs> but those people brought me down to earth. Broughton and the Pedda family, the, the uh, Epiha. What do you mean brought you down to earth? You just... Made me realise that I knew nothing about teaching. I had a qualification as a teacher, but I knew nothing about teaching. Okay. Sir James, well, it wasn't. Jim Henare went yes. out, came up to my school. And uh, Graham Latimer later on and said, you know, we, we're here to support Māori teachers in the north. And uh, there's only five of you teaching in Northland, and we want you to know that we're here to support you. And I didn't realise how important that, that was until later. So Matodi Bay really got me into my art, into the poetry, into using the seashore for science and mathematics, the bush for botany and science, the, uh, the, the cut-out uh, maunga around the hills mm. with uh, the, the ancient pa. We'd go there and mock, have a mock battle on these places. And then we'd have lunch on the beach and the parents would bring kai. I produced a newsletter at Matodi Bay. It was called the Matodi Bay Newsletter. And it, and, and it was, got so popular because I used to have funny jokes about the parents in it. <laughs> and the people in, in Kirikiri and, and, and Kaio and Whangaroa got hold of this magazine. And one time I advertised, <clears throat> I put in a note in it to say, Your mama, it was the kids who told the story, but I'd do an editorial about, about learning, about reading, mm. about the importance of children, anything like that, you know, that were current at the time. Yeah. And I wrote a little a note about um, <clears throat> a working bee, to have a working bee, and I wanted to get some parents to donate timber, some old pram wheels and motor mower wheels and some screws and bolts and things, and we're going to have a working bee to make trolleys for for the kids nice. and toys because we were putting up a play centre. Now, play centres were pretty new when I was in Matodi Bay. We focused a lot on the children writing poetry and they used to do calligraphy, which is my artist's calligraphy. Yes, I didn't read that. And, 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 and um, um, oh, it was amazing. The kids used to win prizes, agricultural shows because their handwriting black Black ink on white paper, on 
textured paper and they would mount them and like a photograph and you know, we won we won prizes all <laughs> over the place we, we were to submit our poetry to all these places what? and and uh, the kids sang their songs because we put our our songs into poetry how many people will crew the waka at the one time on this journey well we are we're thinking of uh, at the moment seven but then again, there's a few uh, uh, adjustments I got to do on the canoe, and then. My teau fakako, kiteau papaho, from the teaching class to the world of broadcasting. Hare's voice has often been heard here on Tiahika, from his interviews with Māori leaders, to protest movements and waka voyaging, not forgetting the Māori political landscape, of which Hare has seen change in the last five decades. So what was the impetus of moving from the classroom to the studio? I was approached by, at the behest of Norman Kirk, Mm -hmm. the Prime Minister. He wanted to see social and legal justice established for Māori. And uh, he wanted Matiudata to put a paper on his desk one weekend to outline how the, a white, the Waitangi Tribunal can be put in place. It wasn't called that, but he had a, an idea in his head and asked Matsurata to have a paper, a one-page paper, to see how equality can be established wow. for Māori. One page? One page, a draft, outline how to do it. And um, I interviewed Matsurata. It was Matsurata who told me this story. And uh, that's how the Waitangi Tribunal started. But broadcasting was also part of the, the equality equation. So I was, uh, I was cajoled hmm. into broadcasting. I was, at the time, really lined up to take on a senior position at Auckland Teachers College. Hmm. Vernon Penfold was stepping down. And they thought that I was ideal to, to do the job as a senior lecturer. So I dropped something that I was lined up to do, to go in something different. Because I believed in a vision that broadcasting across the Pacific, that the Māori voice on radio is the voice of equality, that broadcasting, you become politically active if you tell the truth of New Zealand's history. I'm going to say that again. You become politically active when you retell the truth of the story of New Zealand. One valid land sale in Taranaki until around about 1900. In fact, there was not one land sale, which is why the government created the war on us in order that they could confiscate the land. Last week you heard on this program Milton Hohaya of Parihaka talk about the deep-seated pain felt by the people of Taranaki today. The story of New Zealand today is no longer about powerlessness, It's no longer about shame. It's no longer about inequality. We are retelling our story. It's a story about virtue. It's a story of mana. And those are the principles in trauma healing. Mm. Māori are only beginning to heal. I come from Gisborne. I, I wrote a draft 
for the speech to the High Commissioner from Great Britain last week, and uh, <clears throat> my ideas were put to her that this was a time to acknowledge the truth and reconcile what happened and build a pathway towards reconciliation. Mm. But redemption for the Crown is a long way away. It's a long, long road to redemption. The settlement process is only part of the remission, the process of reconciliation. Mm. Yeah, and it doesn't have to be money. Saying sorry is a part of it. But to acknowledge the truth, that's the deeper essence of reconciliation. In 2018, Dr. Hare Williams was made a member of the New Zealand Order of Merit for his services to Māori, arts and education. The book, Words of a Komatua, part poetry, prose and biographical, was released this week. This poem, uh, Koha, I wrote for my grandmother, Waiweka Brown of Gisborne. She had an orchard at the back of her house and she had a name for every tree. And when she sent us to get some fruit, heaven help us if we got it from the wrong tree. Because those were living emblems of life. Those trees had life and she treated them as her own children. I mean, we thought she was a witch too, not because she rode a broom, but she used it a lot around our legs. And um, it starts off <clears throat> Nanny Y, and Y is the only Māori word in this poem. Our Nanny Wai sang to orchard trees calling each by name. We didn't really know why. Trees give their best for trees to hold back is to die. You give little when you give things. Give of yourselves like trees. That's giving. With earth for mother, sky for father, they hold back nothing. The year Naniwai went, the trees grew old and died. We didn't really know why. Twelve months ago, Witsi Ahimaira oh, approached yeah. you to, to write a book. Tell us about the, the genesis of Words of a Kaumatua. Well, initially, the title I wanted for the for the book is uh, "Against the Storm." Against the storm. Because my life has been against the storm. Mm. Maori life has been against the storm, and the little poem in it, "Kote Kopara Anake Etarere Ana Itichihi Ote Makaudi." In my area, in Tūranganui Akiwa, the kopara is the bellbird. And right at the top of the Makaudi tree, that's a kahikate tree, there's a white flower at the tender plume of the kahikate, right at the very top. Mm. And the bellbird will flap its wings and flutter and, 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 and really fight hard to get that sweet nectar in the eye of a storm. It won't give up. Once it gets the sweetness... It's gone. It's achieved it. And I think a lot of Māori have been at 
that edge, the cutting edge of change. Tēnā koe e te rangatira. Dr. Hare Williams there who talked about his work in education, the arts and broadcasting, and of course his poetry is captured in the book Words of a Kaumatua, edited and introduced by author Witi Ihimaira, which is available now. We had lots to talk about in our sit-down session for this episode of Tiahika. Uh, there's Hare's reflections about his broadcasting career and, of course, his artwork. So part two of this corridor is coming up next week. Nā reira, he mihi tēne ki koutou katoa koutou rā e toutoko mai ana ki te teihana nei, nei rā te mihi. Tiahika returns next Sunday. In the meantime, you can, of course, listen to this show and previous shows. Head to rnz.co.nz forward slash tiahika. Or why not uh, subscribe to the podcast, head to iTunes, Spotify, or where you access good podcasts. Nō reira, koe rā tāku mō tēnei wiki. Hei kona mai. Been traveling these wide roads for so long. My heart's been far from you. Ten thousand miles gone. Oh, I wanna come near and give every part of me. But there's blood on my hands, and my lips are unclean. In my darkness, I remember Mama's words reoccur to me. Surrender to the good thought and then wipe your slate clean. Take me to your river. Many crowds come up for air as my sins flow down the Jordan. Oh, I want to come here and give every part of me. But there's blood on my hands, and my lips are unclean. Take me to your river. Oh, 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 take me to your river.